0: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to this week's episode of the Brass and Unity podcast sponsored by Heads Up Guys. Heads Up Guys is a resource providing men with information and practical tips on how to manage and prevent their depression. This is a dedicated online tool to devoting to helping men to get the help they need, find someone to talk to, and navigate difficult times. For more information, please head over to headsupguys.org. Also brought to you by Combat Flip Flops bad for running and even worse for fighting combat flip-flops are your ticket to the unarmed forces by providing you with a military inspired quality footwear for men and women please enter the code unity at checkout to help support the podcast and in support of women in developing countries head over to combatflipflops.com and become part of their unarmed forces today Also brought to you by Jackson Row. vancouver design. Jackson Row clothing caters to a relaxed bohemian lifestyle. Large doses of love go into every single piece, featuring comfortable favorites like sweaters, dresses, play suits, and even stuff for men and children. Made up of natural tones, flowy West Coast vibes, Jackson Row uses only the highest quality of materials to ensure you stay comfortable and looking great. Be sure to check out jacksonrow.ca and use your code UNITY to support the podcast. And brought to you by Beneath. Men, you can't perform at your best if you're constantly adjusting. I said it adjusting, shifting, sweating. If you want your beneath area dry, clean, and ready for action, then you need Beneath underwear. Beneath were the first to create men's underwear with a three dimensional pouch for supportive fit. This stuff is engineered for full days of comfort on the mountain, in the gym, or even at the office. Head over to Beneath.com. That's B-N-3-T-H dot com. And use the code UNITY at checkout to help support the podcast and grab yourself, your man, the best underwear on the planet. I would love to tell you guys a little quick bit about what this week's episode will look like. I spoke with someone who is doing such cutting edge research in mental health, PTSD and trauma. It was uh, nothing but my honor to have her on. And uh, Dr. Fang Liu came from CAMH Toronto Hospital to chat with us a little bit about how receptors work and how our brain works and how hopefully she can prevent trauma from affecting veterans, first responders and those who suffer injuries or traumatic events when younger uh, to prevent them from having post-traumatic stress disorder down the road. Um, I hope you guys take a listen and definitely uh, watch on YouTube for this episode. She is just the sweetest human being. And I hope you guys enjoy this week's episode of the Brass and Unity podcast. Hello, doctor. Hello. I am.
1: Yeah. Thank you for such a wonderful introduction.
0: Well, listen. It it doesn't. Yeah. You don't need much. I mean, your work speaks for itself. I was over here reading your um, your research paper from 2011, and (laughs) Um, um, I I have to say I've always been the type of person to be interested in mental health, even before I sustained an injury and started to have issues with um, my mental health. But what I found most fascinating when um, I was younger was I love the brain. I want to understand the brain. And once I did get injured, more and more I learned about my brain, the more and more I could understand what I was going through. And it gave me almost like a little insight into my injury in a way I never thought I could have. And that just came from science and learning and understanding receptors and neuropathways and uh, the peptides and how it all works. And my treatment doctor, he, Dr. Passy, Dr. Greg Passy, he's a psychiatrist and he's also a vet himself, but he talks to me. He talks to me like a veteran, but he also talks to me in the way that he would explain science because I get so excited when he's like, okay, so we're gonna put you on this and and this is what's gonna happen. You're gonna have a serotonin reuptake. It's gonna do this whole thing. Your mood's gonna get But I'm like, yes, yes, science. So. <laughs> I love it. I love your research. So I would just love for you to tell me, number one, I'd love to know a little bit about your, that research you did with the uncoupling of the dopamine uh, D1 to D12 uh, receptors. I would love to understand that and how you came into that, you know, research and, and what made you want to do what you're doing.
1: Okay. Uh, Thank you for your interest in the kind of research we are doing. Uh, before I walk in, I thought, I have to use a real lay language. But after you, uh, the last two minutes, I realized that you actually did a lot of homework and you even know serotonin uh, reuptake and, you know, receptor, I mean, great. Uh, so yeah. I actually don't think I needed really lay um, uh, language. No. Uh, so I have a, a molecular neuroscience lab in KMH and uh, my lab focuses on working on receptor complex in brain. It's not receptor itself. It's a receptor complex. Two receptors stay together. This, those kind of uh, receptor complex that exist in your brain. They are at physiological condition. They actually have their own function. They, they do their work.
0: Mm-hmm. However,
1: a certain situation, they go too much or too little. Uh, so they got too many of those complex that lead to pathological condition.
0: So yeah, pathological conditions in the in the terms of uh, major depressive disorder and, and and things along those lines.
1: Lots of a uh, disease actually related. So but you know, my lab is in KMH, so we work on mental illness. So we d- we found abnormal protein complex in schizophrenia, in depression, and the recent finding in PTSD. So uh, many uh, pathological condition actually related to abnormal level of protein complex.
0: Interesting. I, I I find that fascinating. How how that can happen in the brain on a on what's the word I'm looking for? Basically, its own biology can do that. To itself and when you think about that from an evolutionary standpoint you think that the body is is meant to to evolve in a positive manner but the way that the biology works it just changes you and you can't understand it you can't understand why you can't understand how it does it but what I find most fascinating about it is we're starting to take a look at the brain in a different way and, and look at how we have a brain-body connection. And that I think is the most exciting about what your work, um, what your work really shows. I think people in the world will enjoy learning about your work Through this type of uh, conversation, because they might not normally get an opportunity to ask you, you know, the small things. You know, even asking you what what the proteins are like and when they bind, and you know, with the four different um, with the four different types. And what what I do want to know, though, what made you want to do this? Because this work is is looks like just draining on another level.
1: That's an excellent question. I'm actually very happy you asked me (laughs) what leads to this. Um, First of all, I was uh, actually not a scientist at the beginning. I was a trained pediatrician. So I practiced many years as a pediatrician. Uh,
0: and you thought you just, you know, that wasn't good enough. You need to be even better than everybody else on a completely different level. So let's take that shit up a notch and really go, hey, I'm a doctor. I'm a specialist in this. But you know what? It's just, you know, it's not enough. It's too easy. It's too easy. Let's take on the world's mental health problems instead.
1: I, I gave you a better story for this. Uh, I, uh, Of course, I, will, I have a scientific reason, but... Uh, the first reason is actually not scientific. Uh, my husband came to Canada to study. And I was a pediatrician in China. So I came to visit him. Okay. And then I started my graduate study in basic research. Wow. So that's how that the start. But what got me to do receptor complex, protein complex, that's for science. And that's also start from uh, the time I practice as a pediatrician. So when you practice as a clinician, you use medication to treat your patient. Mm-hmm. And many drugs have side effect, yes. which actually really bad for your patient. And really bad, to be honest with you, for doctor too, because you know the drug has side effect. But to save your patient life, you have to use it.
0: That's a anyway. troubling thought when you think about that as a doctor, especially as a pediatrician, because that means you're dealing with children from the age of 18 and below. And when you're talking about giving them pharmaceutical drugs that are going to change the way their brain works at a young age, the ramifications down the road, how would you study that?
1: Exactly. So this, the, this is the the kind of a pain when I had when I practice, you want to save your patient, but you know 20 years later or 10 years later he or she will suffer liver damage or something. And so you 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 feel terrible. So that's why when I switch my career to basic research and the question came to my brain is how much or how I can do to make the drug better, to make a perfect drug, and they can treat the disease without causing side effect. So that's how I started working on receptor complex. And I, I to you, uh, I will try my best. Mm-hmm. So you have two receptors, and each receptor has multiple functions. Yep. So when you design a drug, you you know one of the pathway this receptor related or be, will relate it to the d- disease. But the other pathway may relate it to fu- physiological function. So when you design drug and you shut down this receptor, you treat the patient, you cause side effect. Because some function is physiologically needed.
0: Yes, absolutely and that's that's funny because I was on um I was on about 10 different pharmaceutical drugs when I got diagnosed with severe post traumatic stress disorder and they every single one of them had a contraindication with another, and they weren't looking at it from that standpoint or looking at the long-term effects of what it would have on the patient, because it was this, we need to do this now, we need to treat in the now, and we aren't worried about the then, but as a 19-year-old, I'm kind of worried about the then a little bit.
1: Exactly, and the thing is uh, it's it's very sad for a scientist, scientist to think about is you don't have a choice. You, uh-huh. That's the only thing you have, right? Uh, so let's use PTSD as example. Yeah. And even now, we don't have a diagnostic biomarker for PTSD. You don't have a blood test. You can see, oh, this patient, this person suffers PTSD, right? Yeah. You you know this person went through a tra- traumatic if event.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, he or she may have the risk to develop PTSD later, but you don't have anything to prevent this happen. And when you have a patient, you actually don't have anything to treat him or her. Mm-hmm. So that's really sad for any clinician and scientist. So that's how I started working on all those diseases, uh, like the recent funding on PTSD. So I want to find something in blood in blood samples, which I can use that as a test to predict who, who is going to develop a PTSD and what can we do for them.
0: That's so, wow. I'm sorry. I'm that that that. Do you I do you realize that if you're able to to find that that biomarker, the amount of people's lives you're going to be able to fix and save before before they go off the rails before the, the suicide becomes a thing before drugs involve in their life like that's incredible yeah that's something make make me feel like
1: you know my science actually really useful and can help people that that's really the the reward i'm looking for um so we did identify a protein complex in ptsd patient and it's specific for ptsd patient they're not happened in uh, major depression patient, they don't happen to in other patients. So this is only the level of this protein complex only elevated in PTSD patient.
0: Can I ask you, would the, what's the difference between, if, what if a patient both had MDD and PTSD? Would they have different biomarkers for that? I don't,
1: we don't have a MDD uh, biomarker yet. Not yet? Um, no. So in in, in uh, yeah. clinician, they work on that. They may have something to you, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, so they would but, see two different ones. They would never be. Yeah,
1: exactly. But for this specific protein complex, uh, we only found they are elevated in PTSD patient.
0: I so sorry. Go ahead.
1: So so with this fact, because this protein complex. Uh, you can find it in brain, and you can also find it in peripheral blood sample. So, in other words, you can do a blood test for this for this person to predict whether or not down the road he or she will develop her PTSD.
0: Is there a uh, percentage that you can predict, or is it just saying you know at some point? Is there a time frame? What's that biomarker show?
1: Uh. T- to be honest with you at this moment we, we are not able to predict time but we know those person have to remember this is a, a test tube result we although we found the elevated level of the protein complex in, in patient sample not in my test tube uh but uh, we haven't done a big clinical trial with, we haven't done a big population, but at least at this moment, the data show uh, the the PTSD patient, they have an elevated uh, um, protein complex level.
0: And when you say you ha- they have an elevated protein complex level, what's the average person's protein levels versus somebody where you would see a biomarker of PTSD uh, in the higher higher elevated protein
1: uh, you talking about, they are relative uh, levels. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a group of uh, healthy people. We have a group of uh, uh, patient sample and we test them. So we basically use a, a, a group of uh, uh, healthy people mm-hmm. and, and looking for their average level of this protein complex. Okay. Then we test each PTSD patient and compare with the the
0: the, uh, the control, uh, samples. I I wonder, and I, I'm sure, I'm sure this was, you know, the protein levels, you can't, you can't, like you said, you can't predict a time and you can't predict, uh, you know, what's going to happen. But I, I do, I do think that, um, somebody who would have an elevated protein level, you know, maybe they may never would have symptoms of PTSD because, you know, you get that environmental effects, right. in the things that are around.
1: Perfect. You are a real expert in this area.
0: I think <laughs> I'm an expert, but I think I'm, I'm trying to understand. No, you are expert. Uh, 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 pr- this
1: protein complex level is only one aspect. Okay. Uh, you definitely need genetic uh, component. You need environment component. There's many other factors that will be involved.
0: And also, I mean, if, have you look? I, I'm sure you have, why am I asking this? This is ridiculous. But if you were to look at a patient, if you, uh, when you have, you say you have a healthy group of patients come in and you have a PTSD group come in and you, and you look at the different uh, uh, proteins and you look at the different levels. Is there any evidence to show um that there's elevated proteins in uh, a certain age group more than others. Saying so, say you have a healthy group. Well, you think that's healthy, but do you know if there was trauma or situational uh, things that might have happened to that group before using them as the testing subject? Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, they do. They. They. they we. Ha- we definitely have a, a
1: protocol how to recruit patients to make sure. Uh, but everything is relative,
0: right? Yeah, it's all situational and relative. So,
1: for, for age is not something we can control right whatever subject we can we can we can recruit
0: uh, uh. oh so you can any age so it doesn't the the age pool can vary for this for this reason
1: exactly exactly
0: so that must make it a little bit easier to get test subjects uh, if you're if you're not always looking in a, in a genetic pool of x y and z you kind of have a, a larger pool to play with there that's i think that's I think that's so interesting. Um, I wonder, I wonder with PTSD down the road, if we'll be able to get on top of it, like you said, and having these pre, you know, these biomarkers and this almost like a precursor. I, I wonder if there is anything that can be done um, in advance, medicationally, uh, once they know about these biomarkers. Is there anything that can help?
1: Perfect question. I, I love your questions. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so feel good Once right now. <laughs> we identify this protein complex. So you, you can easily think about this this logically. If this elevated protein complex is the reason that cause disease and disrupt this protein complex, separate to them, should have an effect on this protein complex, right?
0: Yeah, that hypothetically.
1: We obviously cannot do this in human for at the first step, but we did did we did work on uh, animal models of PTSD. So what we do is we generate a small piece of a protein we call peptide
0: mm-hmm.
1: as a a small fragment of a protein. So we through into the um the protein together and they can actually disrupt the protein complex. So we inject this small piece of a protein into the animal model of PTSD mm-hmm. so we can actually improve their fair memory.
0: It improves their memory?
1: The fair memory, the the scary event.
0: Yeah that 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 you can do that that's yes. some black mirror level stuff
1: yeah so we actually that this result already published early this year so we generate this peptide we we know this peptide is going to disrupt this complex and then we test whether or not those fair memory in the animal will get decreased or can get blocked. Uh, so we actually see the real treatment effect in the animal models. And the beauty is not only the treatment. So we basically design the experiment, to try to mimic the situation. So we give uh um the animal uh a mimicking a, a trauma event and then we <laughs> There's a standard protocol we can do it.
0: What is the standard protocol for traumatizing a small mouse look like? Because what I'm picturing in my head is you coming around the corner going, bah! This is not something
1: directed by me. This has been exist for many, many years. Okay. So what we do is we test once the, the animal show the fair Uh, memory, and we can treat that. uh, So make them less scared. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the beauty is not that. The beauty is we give the animal the peptide immediately after the trauma event. Mm -hmm. So, and then we can try to prevent the fear start. 20 years down the road, but in animal, of course, we are not waiting for 20 years, so we wait for one week. Uh,
0: <laughs> I love that. It's, a, it's one week, it's fine, no big deal. We wait, yes. the
1: fair uh, uh, memory from those animals. So.
0: And, and what's the average you're seeing that? I mean, I, I, didn't, I didn't get to get that deep into it yet, but when you're seeing that the, the, the fair memory is being reduced and it's because of the peptides being introduced into the animal, how, how quickly after? So if you were to say a mouse's lifespan... An average mouse, you know, you're, like you said, one week. You're gonna know by one week time uh, instead of waiting twenty years on a person. So, uh, how does it matter the age in which you're doing these tests on these on these animal subjects? Will that have a difference for human trials? Very
1: good question. But uh, we haven't done different age yet.
0: Is is that is that you do, do you foresee that being a, a contributing factor to any sort of?
1: It, it, that that should be, that should be a, a contributing factor. Uh, but but when we do experiment, we try not to use um, aged animal. It's simply it's very difficult to get.
0: Yes, of course. I, I just wonder because if you know, if you had a, for instance or example, you had a, you know, a, a situation where you had a traumatized child and they went through something fairly young, where we know, you know, if it's before what is it they say before three, it, that memory will most likely be repressed to some level, and they, you worry more when they start to hit five. That's when you're kind of okay. They're gonna develop this memory, and they they might be able to access this a little bit easier. So my thought is, is if you're if you have a child that's four, for example, I wonder, would that be something appropriate to give to a younger child or would that be something where there'd be a level, you know, 12 and above, that would be a safe bet? At this
1: moment, as I said, this peptide is really a test tube drug. So we actually didn't do anything in terms of toxicity, safety, okay. and, yeah, so we cannot predict those things. Uh, But uh, you gave me a wonderful suggestion. I should go back to test a different age of animal. Uh, If I have enough funding, I will do it. I promise you. Yay, did
0: I actually contribute something
1: like useful right now? Guys? Very nice suggestion.
0: <laughs> I feel like my professors that that I flunked at a college from would be so proud of me right now. Oh my God, guys, I have my team over here, and I just keep looking at them like, do you hear this too? <laughs> no, honestly, this uh, this is so fascinating to me, and uh, especially in the PTSD realm, being somebody that suffers from it and Knowing the ups and downs, and the thought of someone being able to go to me after that event, and and possibly have said, "We're gonna take this shot. We're gonna put it in your arm, and we're gonna hope down the road that you won't have the you know irreversible damage of nightmares and screaming and trauma that's gonna go into your life. I mean that that's not only a lifesaver for veterans and first responders. My God, the applications that that would have down the road for for oh, trafficking victims. Oh my God, it's it literally opens the world to fixing trauma before trauma happens. Like I, I'm so excited for you. You must. Do you just vibrate excitement when you're doing things? What you
1: said is exactly my dream. Now I really hope my funding can help
0: people. Can help, you know, people. F- yeah. Like yeah. Question: <clears throat> How do we get you more funding? <laughs>
1: I'm trying everywhere. I got funding from a CHR, uh, okay. at the Leading Institute uh, uh, for high Health Research. Uh, so we are. I'm trying to get funding everywhere to to help me.
0: Where what? Oh, if people were looking to get more involved in this and want to understand it on a different level and really want to, what would be the right steps to start becoming? somebody as incredible as you would they have to become a pediatrician first or could they just go I mean do I have to be a superhero and then apply for a job
1: no you don't have to be a a pediatrician first for sure Uh, but you can come to uh, uh, you can come to my lab to become a master's student or PhD
0: student oh my god that means I gotta do (laughs) can I do an honorary master's where I just have to do it just can i just come hang out with you and shadow you because i think i want any sort of your intelligence and brilliance and this selflessness to put yourself and your mind and your and and just your energy into something that's honestly so selfless because if like just for a second on a very realistic scale if if you were able to get this to human trial and you were able to know what this is going to do, ramifications, contraindications, all of the things down the road. You're so close to that. The, the, the lives that you could save before the thought of them even being taken, going into their minds even happens. You can quite literally save lives before and that that needs to be acknowledged that needs to be funded that should i am shocked out of my mind that that's not already fully funded by somebody somebody out there who has just that abundance of cash should just be looking at you as like the dream donation you're literally fixing people's brains on a scale that only happens in movies
1: I should go to you for fundraising to help me.
0: I will help you in every single way I can. I will talk about you for probably the rest of my life, and the just this this moment I've got with you is is I don't know what those girls said. You said you were nervous, but I am telling you right now, Doctor, you are nothing but an incredible example of a woman who is on a mission and is not going to stop. And I think your research is not only going to carry on for decades after you, but I think you're going to be the cornerstone of, of fixing some seriously, seriously hurting individuals that don't have any other way out and don't understand what's going on with them. But they know if you take this shot, there's a good chance your trauma might not be what it could be. And suicide might not have to be, you know, the answer for you. I, I want to ask you one more question. Um, I know you have to go soon, but I do want to know if you could, if you could do anything else besides all of the ridiculous amounts of things you're already doing. If you could do anything else for yourself, mental health wise, could you? What what would it? What would you do? Because you're like, think about this. You're spending all this time in the lab and you're you're researching, are you looking after yourself? Is there anything that you're doing for you that helps you keep your mental health well?
1: Outside science, I have a wonderful family. I have a daughter and a son. And my husband is wonderful, very, very supportive. Um, I will tell you this you probably don't have to record this, but my husband cooks three meals a day for me and drive me to work every day because I never drive.
0: <laughs> that is okay come on come on you can't be this incredible woman and then also have the like the perfect husband that's not fair that you have to have one or the other you don't get both there's no uh, way you get both. I'm a
1: lucky woman very lucky uh so i but i don't know how to drive so that's probably we'll have to uh, teach you my biggest weakness i don't know how to drive
0: <laughs> yeah i don't know if that's a weakness because i think somebody of your stature shouldn't be driving yourself around anyway <laughs> your hands and brain are too valuable to our humanity for you to be in a moving vehicle going through 401 traffic. Let's be honest. Nobody, nobody needs to be doing that. It's not safe. People like you should be flown in everywhere you go and dropped off. Just this <laughs> perfect. Um, I just, uh, wow. I want to help you in any way I can to get your fundraising. How much more funding do you need to be able to finish your research?
1: Usually, for a drug at this stage uh, to clinical trial, usually they need four to five million dollars. That's regularly.
0: And how? How? And that's taking it from where it's at now to human trials. Yes. Yes. What's the average cost for uh, for you to go from animal trials to human trials? Is that the biggest jump? Is that where it gets the most uh, expensive, for lack of a better example? Okay, uh,
1: that, that's usually how much uh, they will cost, and that will take several years.
0: And then they have to produce it and mass market it. And then d- after that, it has does it have to go through the the health board standards, or is that previous to oh, that yeah. Before it goes? Yeah. Sim. Mm-hmm. Sí. Well, I'm, I'm, you know, when next time I would love to have you on again, I have uh, some more incredible questions. I am going to work really hard on a question list for you because I think
1: well, I'll have to email me or call me anytime.
0: I, you should not have said that because now I'm coming for you. I want to learn and I'm going to follow you around. I'm going to come to CAMH and I'm going to pretend like I know what you're talking about because you, my, my God, just rubbing off any of your intelligence, I, It has been nothing but a pleasure and just an amazing opportunity to have you on with us. And you have taught so many of my listeners something that they will never, never have heard of before. And if anything they got from this is knowing that somebody out there besides a jewelry company and a podcast host and, and, you know, some vac and treatment doctors, there's some other person out there in this world that is genuinely trying to better it for us who have suffered from something that's been super traumatic and for for that I can overwhelmingly say thank you uh from everybody I know I can tell you that right off the bat
1: thank you so much for your interest in our research and one more thing I need to tell you yes my hobby is shopping
0: shopping oh girl Mm i can help I, you with I'm that almost crazy for
1: shopping okay. so when i when i write something uh grant application or manuscript i got very tired i would take a couple of hours and go on block street and shopping
0: <laughs> i cannot we it's like you are a kindred spirit you get it you work hard you want to get things done but You need to shop. You need to fill that void of shopping. I understand it. Don't just check the mail. You'll have something in there soon from us. You won't even (laughs) need to shop for it. It'll just show up. It's, our minds are connected now in case you haven't perfect. noticed, it'll be perfect. I've got you dialed. Don't worry. Okay. I, I, again, I want to say thank you so much to Dr. Fang Liu from Cam H and in her incredible research and your time and just your willingness to, to sit with us on the Brass and Unity podcast today. It's been uh, nothing but a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on. So at the end of this episode of the Brass and Unity podcast, this week we're going to feature Wounded Warriors Canada as our charity of the week. It is a national mental health service provider for veterans and first responders and their families, but that's really a simplification of what it does. They have programs for husbands and wives, equine therapy. They have bike tours that help veterans with PTSD. They do some incredible work. So please take some time and go check out Wounded Warriors Canada.ca and see what kind of help, uh, if you need any at all, they can help to provide you with. And we will see you all next week.